because the thing is, you know, I move, uh, I've, I've been living, the, my old house, there was no real AC. And so in the, in the summers and for outside the summers too, it would be like in the high eighties in my house. Yeah, you had that hot like, house. Such a fucking hot house. And I say, you know what? Now I'm, I'm part of the 1%. I'm, I'm, in, I'm insanely wealthy. I'll never not be rich for here on out. I, let's live in a nice apartment. Let's, let's, let's get a nice place. Let's, let's live amongst, amongst the people who made it off the Titanic. Their, their ancestors, well, their grandchildren, they're, if you will. Yeah, their descendants. Yeah. And, and then I was like, you know, it, it'd be great. I live in a fancy place and I have this, you know, now I have air conditioning internal or, or whatever, and it's not working. And, and I'm in a hot fucking house again. Um, it's like 87 degrees in here. Yeah, it's it's been a hot. As soon as I got the plane from from Texas, I was like, "Oh, it's gonna be nice and cool in DC," and it has just been also hot, baby. Yeah. Staying steamy. It's fucking hotter inside than it is out there right now. It's 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 miserable. I don't know. I don't know if I've been sort of some sort of Greek curse where I can never be cool. Uh, <laughs> is there is there is there a thing like that where a guy like wasn't allowed to get? palm shades or something yeah it's fucking the the legend of hotocles yeah the guy who could never cool down that's that's 100 me and i get cranky when i when i'm when it's too hot i, who I, I honestly right yeah, yeah it's like hard like it people you like use the word like the phrase hothead to describe people who are being cranky but it's like that's real. Like that's a yeah. real thing. Like you get hot, you get cranky. That is just right. how it goes. They should be calling those people normal guys. <laughs> yeah. And they should be calling normal guys freaks. <laughs> that's what we should be doing. That's how we do it. That's but we yeah. gotta rearrange the sort of the spectrum. So are you have you gotten to the point in your life where you're just you're gonna be wearing a beanie no matter what the temperature is? Um because you could do a hat. No, I was honestly just wearing this beanie because downstairs it's very cold. Oh, uh, I okay. forgot to take it off. I'm so jealous. Like, I could do that. I could just do that. Yeah, see, Lux is Lux is outside right now because it's too air conditioned in his home. Well, no, I would have loved to record down in the nice cold basement, but the internet down there is bad. Oh, okay, well that's that's nice. I like that. That makes me the, happy to hear. The router is uh, all the way upstairs. Mm. Well, uh, uh, I'm, at a, the, I'm at the parents' crib. <laughs> Well, that's the first detail of the interior layout layout of Lux's family's yeah, so home. For those Real of you who are listening and plotting the robbery and home invasion, uh, now you know where the router is if you need to cut some cords. Build that. You guys should be able to build out the rest of the home's infrastructure from there. Uh, I, you know, I, I want y'all to tell me where the safe room is hidden by tonight. So I'm a little <laughs> excited about that. Uh, you're in DC. That's incredible. You know, yeah, um, going to try and come down and hang out with you tomorrow if we can maybe go down yeah. to the tidal basin see some trees oh my i went there wow this is this is this city is something they they talk about these flowers all year there's like a countdown every day every single day there's an article that's like we're we're days away any minute now and i go down there i'm like yeah they're it's a fight first of all it's you are bat. it's a battle there's no no right way to get there, uh, and and once you're there, you got to fight lots of people. 
it's a it's like a boss rush of tourists um and then yeah the flowers are white they're not cherry that's what they're the, the white cherry blossoms have white flowers <laughs> then why are they called some, cherry? Of them, some of them are pink they have pink ones they're the the core of them there's like a little pink fleshiness at the core but but uh yeah they're they're, they're pretty it's, we went i give it a i give it like a six a seven out of ten I love going into the tidal basin to see the cherry blossoms. I think they're very pretty. However, you've hit the core thing, which is that like the vibe of how you enjoy a cool plant is sort of like you walk around kind of like low key and you kind of like take it in Mm -hmm. when there's 9,000 tourists shooting off photos and Mm -hmm. also everyone didn't listen to the traffic advisory that said, don't drive there, take the Metro instead. And so there's a bunch of cars honking everywhere. Yeah, it, the the yeah, there, you, fucking you, the opposite of what you want. <laughs> you have to just to get there, you have to cross like seven highways, like of streets. It's <laughs> it's terrible. They didn't couldn't they couldn't build a goddamn bridge anywhere. Uh, and uh, yeah, I would have to say, you know, when you're enjoying flowers, like you say, you you know, I, you don't want to feel like you're there like, man, I should have bought the fast pass for this. <laughs> like there there's there's some serious like Disneyland packed in like sardine vibes happening yeah, well, down there. One, one secret, one, uh, one secret I can give you as a, as a veteran of the scene. Okay. Um, is the tidal basin is like definitely like the coolest setting to see them in. But if you yeah. just want to like have a low key vibe with some cherry blossoms, there's also a cherry blossom range in Kenwood, just outside of friendship Heights. Mm-hmm. That is way less crowded. Yeah. But if you just want to like go see some cool trees and have like a nice, pretty walk. That's like a, better bet also that's right on the same metro line you're on so it's a little bit easier to get to for you probably i also feel like i feel like there's just cherry trees just everywhere in the city like little ones popping out everywhere. The little ones but there aren't the ones that were sent by like the japanese government you know right is that is that how it started because so. so. in la the the urban myth is that one man just like planted a shit ton of palm trees everywhere as like a prank because they're not native and then i i heard a similar story about here Someone just planted a bunch of them. I thought they started because someone sent them, but maybe I'm wrong about that. But I thought, I think uh, that's a great that's a great way to leave your mark on a place. We can just start plant an invasive species. <laughs> yeah, just do Bart Simpson and the fucking fro- koala and some of the Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> or the frogs, hey, rather. It's the koala's the end of the episode. But um, yeah, man, how's it going? We uh, we didn't do last week because I was so busy and fucked mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. But how's yeah, it going? I mean, how's uh, your how's your shit? Things are good. Uh, yeah, things are fine. Um, I mean, other than the, I mean, the, it, it was exciting that it was getting warm because the city was like coming alive. I moved here in the dead of winter, and so it was exciting to see the city come alive a little bit. And now it's hot in my house. So um, other than that, uh, other than, I, you know, I've been in sort of a a video game limbo where. I'm I'm feeling a little bit like uh, Black Pearl cursed Pirates Caribbean one, where I I can't taste the Applejack, and I'm I'm biting into everything, but nothing nothing I can't I can't enjoy it. And it, I yeah, mean, I don't. Ever- I want to get I want to get more into that, but I ha- I gotta say I have just in our uh, in our DMs sort of noticed that you'll start a game, be like, wow, a game that I've started, magical. And then by within 24 hours, you're like, this game, eh, just okay. Yeah. That's maybe it's been the pattern fun. lately. I think, well, I think it's, I mean, I'll definitely say it is, it is their fault. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, couldn't be yours. <laughs> impossible. Um, impossible. But yeah, I guess I guess I'm just really between things right now. I keep picking things up, and nothing really sings to me. I've tried replaying a few things. Um, I got a little bit through Uncharted Four, and a little bit of revisiting Kingdom Hearts Three. Uh, really going yeah. back to the roots. Yeah, I just really can't. I can't really sink my teeth into anything. Um, there is a few games that I've played that I am enjoying right now that I am excited to talk about. But yeah, ultimately, I think maybe I'm just in a phase right now. I don't think I'm post video game, but I am. I am kind of living like a person who is to a certain extent. Uh, been been reading a lot more. Uh, just manga in general. I'm reading Boruto right now. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Uh, which I think is fun. Have Boruto's you read Boruto? Fun. I've read a little bit of it. I've read a lot of it, but it is fun. So I, I, yeah, I mean, I think I don't know what people's critiques of it are other than it's not Naruto or that it shouldn't happen or something like that. But I think there's enough sweet and interesting moments in it to, for it to be fun, even if it does fall into like a little bit of a fan service at times, just in the fact that there's so many like references to the past just inherently because all the characters are still around. Yeah, I mean, my thing with it is, like, there's just a lot of, like, tonal similarity to Naruto, which is obvious. But, like, it's just, like, there's so much Naruto. We've been living in this tonal narrative space for so long because there's 9,000 Naruto books. And now, what if more of that? And that's where right. we're like, okay, I feel like we got, like, kind of enough. Yeah, I, I did think, though, that there are some fun sort of modern conflicts, like this conflict between, like, uh, I guess steroids versus training hard on your own in the terms of like using science to like amplify yourself but then it's not really always steroids though because there's like times where they're saying that science can be good and help but essentially like the little wrinkle that they've added in the naruto universe is that now scientists are like developing chakra weapons um and people are using them to like cheat and people are using them for even more like devious purposes um and, and so like i think some of like the natural more simplistic almost like ruralness of like the original naruto uh it feels like this is an interesting kind of modern conflict well, yeah, i mean it's kind of a dragon ball dragon ball z thing in that way where like in dragon ball z you start to get a lot more especially later on like stuff in the cities and there's like tournaments where everyone's going to that aren't just like sort of like everyone in town is there but they're like broadcast worldwide and all this stuff and our and dragon ball is a lot more like goku's in the wood or goku's in the woods and he like meets a, a mean guy um so it, it does feel that way i've been reading manga again also actually because uh inspired by you and a couple of the austin homies i've started rereading berserk yeah um, and are you up to date no i mean i'm i am like i've read all of it up to date oh but now okay I'm, cool my reread is not my reread i'm about uh i'm i think of volume 17 right now okay um uh, it's like the end of the conviction arc like it's the, he's oh, going to okay. rescue casca from the holy chain knights and stuff oh oh i see um okay and it oh my god i just forgot like i it's one of those things where like you know when you watch or read or play something that like is so fucking good and then you don't touch it for a while and like in your brain you kind of understand that this thing fucking rocks but you don't like the the feeling of what it feels like to be rocked by the thing has sort of faded away and then you read it again or you play it again or whatever and then there's like it comes rushing back and there's like oh fuck 
Like that's where I'm at with Berserk. Like every couple of pages, I'm just like freaking out. Mm-hmm. I've been traveling with Cass and she's reading it too. And every so often, like even though she's also reading it, I'll like shove it in her face and be like, look at this splash page. Oh my God. Look <laughs> at the- oh, it's so cool. Um, And like, it's, oh, it, it's so sick and it's so good. And it's just like, it's such a fun, I mean, obviously like the, the hyper violence is very cool. The monster designs are very cool. The fact that like every single FromSoft game is just like low key kind of just doing Berserk is very cool. But also like it is really like thematically compelling. It's like really good at having guts vacillate between like pure rage and then like introspection about like maybe I shouldn't be driven entirely by hatred. Eh, Maybe I'll just get back to it. It's Mm -hmm. it's what I'm good at anyways. Um, And like it's just like the unbelievable it's just like such an incredible piece of work it's so good yeah it really does like i you know i've been reading a manga in the kind of around before starting berserk and stuff like that but berserk was like really it felt like something meatier and there's so much more to it um i've i've like definitely never spent as much time just like stopping and looking at panels um but i also think what's great about the manga of berserk that i don't think the animes ever get clear is um some of the the heart the humor and ultimately like the hopefulness that like resides within a lot of bleak shit that happens in the show um and i think that that's something that unfortunately because none of the anime adaptations ever got to continue the story and and do more moments um kind of feels uh like those parts didn't ever get to really shine outside of the manga that's why i'm so that's why like if the rumors are true that the attack on titan studios next thing is a berserk anime Mm -hmm. um i'd be really excited for that because like i think one thing they're really good at they're gonna really good at two things which is portraying like insanely brutal violence and like hiding low-key moments of hope inside of like really desolate and despair-ridden stuff um, yeah yeah and I, feel like I think they would do a really good job with with the stuff that makes berserk so so rare because like you're totally right like berserk is and this is like a kind of trite comparison but whatever like berserk is kind of similar to watchmen in that way where it's a thing where even if you aren't like tapped into the norms of the medium like even if you're not a big comics or manga guy it kind of transcends that in a way that makes it really accessible, not because it's like super easy to read, but because it's just so obviously good. Um, and like Berserk's Berserk kind of follows that framework in a way that is like real or is like is a similar type of thing. And so it's like the idea of trying to find an adaptation of it that can capture all of these different layers. Like one thing I forgot rereading it is how often it's not like that often, but it's way more often than I remembered. Uh, they do like little chibi moments. Like there's like little moments where like, like like gut see something it makes like a like funny little chibi guy face and it's like mm-hmm. and it's like what are we like that's not the that's not the tone i remember from this but like that's the point right is there are these little other things in it um that are really cool and so it's i don't know i'm really i'm excited to be rereading it it's been super fun it's been a, a little frustrating because i have this like pile of theory books i mean to read like the new rushkoff the new sword now book and stuff and i'm just like oh these books are really important and good but man guts has such a big sword how am i ever gonna get around to reading these books when there's this huge sword i could be looking at yeah yeah and um yeah i i got 
Gretchen berserk pilled on on the anime, and now I'm keep on telling her, "Look, you got to continue it. You got to start reading the manga." But she hasn't really hit that phase where she's seeking the manga yet. So hopefully that comes to her in time. Yeah. Well, you know, you miss out on so much if you don't read. Like I forgot how much stuff in the manga is not in the anime. Then that's what I was going to ask you. Then I guess or bring up. I guess a big problem with the berserk, um, with adapting berserk into an anime is how do you go about it because. You know, what's really tough is the beginning of the series has been done so many times already that it's kind of frustrating because we don't really need that part remade again. Like, I don't need Mappa's take on like the band of the hawk stuff. Like there's been an like a, there's been a 90s anime, there's been two different movie versions of that and then there's also the 2016 stuff which picks up after that. So for me it would just feel really like repetitive for like almost a season or two before we even got to do any of the new stuff. And then, you know, even even after that when you start diving into new stuff, you know, are are you going to do it all? Are you going to have to just like slim this thing down just simply because like it's a 30 year long project? It just seems like a really, really difficult project because of the nature of its multiple cancellations and stuff. So here's my take on that. Cause I've been thinking about this a little bit is like, there's a lot of parts of the band of the, like one thing that the books do, the manga does really well is like, doing the George Lucas thing where like moments rhyme and like stuff that happened before kind of like parallels things that happen in the future. And you can kind of like see how the characters react to like sort of similar moments that are like, but are you know, displaced through time and context. Um, so I think an interesting way to do it would be to pick up sort of with the guts, like wandering dragon slayer arc stuff. And then at moments that like coalesce with stuff from band of the Hawk do like flashback episodes and sort of run them in parallel where you're bouncing back and forth almost like um uh the the hit television program lost i was thinking of yellow jackets but also lost <laughs> but like using that technique right where it's like i think that could be interesting i i do wonder if it would if you would care about them as much or be as surprised like there would be zero surprise that they're gone now too like i think a big part of like of losing the of, of the losing the band of hawk is like not knowing that you're about to lose all of them. Um, yeah, well, I mean, you so, kind of do. You you don't know it exactly, but I think you could kind of lampshade it, like the way that both the animes have done it, or that the first anime did particularly does it, is like the same as the book does it, right? Like he goes into a town, there's a bunch of freaks, he kills them with a sword. Snake guy shows up, he kills him with a sword. Um, does the thing that I I love where the snake guy's just lying on the ground. He just keeps shooting arrows into his face and talking shit, which is like yeah. absolutely excellent stuff. Um, and like if you did that right, like that that sort of conceals some of the the band of the hawk stuff, and like you know implies that this is like a lone wanderer guy. And so when you know the guys exist, it's like what happened to them. Something right. happened to them. So you do sure, know sure, that. Sure. So like yeah. I don't think you're you're losing too too much, mm -hmm. um, right? But I do There's, think the thing is, and this is actually this is something that that Cass pointed out, um, who's over there, um, that like the you get the the good thing about the run with Band of the Hawk is that they're all like fun and weird characters that you're just hanging out with. 
So you kind of like get so attached to like these fun weirdos that when all the bad shit happens, you're like, oh no. And I do think that if you like split it up flashback style, you might lose a little bit of that, which would be a yeah. bit of a, which would be a bummer you, you, because you a big definitely would. Yeah, you definitely would. So it's like if you want to really honor the narrative, you probably should do it in order, but it, it would feel really repetitive for at least a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, there's so many great arcs in Berserk. I mean, one of my favorites that I can think of is this sort of arc between uh, Griffith and the and the king of Mu, like Mugaksu or whatever his name is, like, and it's sort of these two villains facing off. Yeah, uh, in and sort of this like villain showdown that's just really really fun, um, and yeah, there's just like a lot of great stuff in the series, and I really hope that someone takes a crack at at showing more of the world. I hope it. it's Mappa. I think Mappa would do such a good job with it. I think they could. Well, speaking of of you know Mappa and and Chainsaw Man and stuff like that, um, if you're rereading Berserk, you have to try to make time to catch up on Chainsaw Man. Yeah, I know. It is such a, while we're in the manga corner, it's a such a transcendent experience. Um, every week I'm waking up like it's Christmas to, to read the new issue. Um, they're doing such like, I don't know, interesting and yeah, like, I, I don't know, like very like drilling down to like people's core like rawness of 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 being alive i don't know there's something very soulful or spiritual i can't really place the word yet um but it, it's just really phenomenal work and it's funny and endearing and it's just it kind of just has everything i think it's just one of the i think to me it has that magic of something like a berserk where it's it's such a it's such a dense and such um an earnest and like um emotional work that that always has got me thinking and feeling afterwards um i've been rereading a few issues of it i've been going back through some arcs um just to kind of appreciate them again after doing one big fast read through and yeah um, it's i can't recommend it enough to anyone right now um and it's a great time to get in yeah, it's I mean, everything I've heard from all my other manga friends is that it fucking rocks um, and that I should read it. And that it's dumb that I haven't read it yet. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I definitely intend to. It sounds fucking cool as hell. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it's I don't know. I, I think this is a cool moment, largely because there are cool animes coming out. I got to watch blue. I got to read Blue Lock. Um, I don't know if you've heard about this. It's the one about the, it's the soccer thing. It's the soccer thing where the coach gets hired because the team isn't selfish enough and he puts them in like a squid game thing to make the players selfish enough to succeed. So they have, the Japanese team has too much teamwork and Amazing. they need to learn to not do teamwork anymore. But that's obviously like he's the, he's the villain. That's his take, right? No, like the, the he's hired by the Japanese Soccer Federation to make he's like kind of the villain, but also the show like kind right, of assumes that he's right. Oh, that's that, that's my question: Is the show think he's right or not? I, I, from what I understand, the show does think he's right. Like they do need less teamwork. They need less teamwork, but not no teamwork. And so it's like, How, what are the examples of teamwork getting in their way? It's like, <laughs> it's the, so- like the main characters thing. I've watched a lot of this. The main characters thing is that like he's stuck on this moment where he could have shot to win the big championship. But he passed it to his teammate who blew it. 
Hmm. And it's like, if he hadn't passed it, if he had just been selfish and taken the shot, they could have won. <laughs> this is so funny. This is great. This is like the, this is like anime revert, like, like rebelling against its core structure. Like, are there episodes where they're like, my friends are my weakness? Like, I don't <laughs> feel like that's where it's going. <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, maybe eventually they will like, you know, prove them, them wrong, but it does feel like like the main character is like bought in on the premise. Like the, the guy we're rooting for is like, no, I'm not selfish enough. He's right. That's awesome. <laughs> I bet by the end of it, you're going to save God and sacrifice all your friends. Yeah, probably. It's kind of sort of a Griffith type of art. Yeah, it's a classic. In, in a lot of ways, it's sort of running towards Berserk. <laughs> um, I have been hearing a lot of good things about that one, actually, which yeah. is unusual for a sports thing. So good for them. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the thing is that sports animes are really good in this really specific way of like, you have a bunch of weirdos and then watching them overcome a thing is like really exhilarating. But like, they just do that over and over again with different sports, you know, and like there's only there's that's sort of the only thing. And so finding a take on it that is like so different is, I think, really exciting to a lot of people who like who like sports anime and like anime in general. So that's like a a show I'm really looking forward to catching all the way up on. It's a good lesson, folks. You know, if if you want to find a new space, just do the opposite of what's popular and someone will like that too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, someone will be <laughs> sick of the thing that works and they'll want to try this other thing instead. <laughs> um, and that's sort of how the podcast, it's how this podcast works. Yeah. Ever since we were bought by Disney. Yeah. Yeah. Disney said, do the opposite of what we do. And we said, all right, what do people hate? Us? Great. We'll make that the main focus of the show. Um, but yeah, I mean, oh God, uh, before you get to games, which you probably should have to the commercial, um, have you been following the Clarence Thomas news? I assume you have because of your job. Yeah. Epstein Island. Yeah. I mean, just like, <laughs> I mean, not I, Epstein Island, but different like, islands. Yeah. And like, it's the same idea. Like, <laughs> it was part of the archipelago. Yeah. The archipelago. Um, nice. Got wow. Wish. Damn. Um, what's it? What's it? What's it when you really hit a, a golf ball real clean slice? No, that's you don't. That's bad. I don't know golf words. Slice, slice is not. You don't want to slice or a hook. Oh, what a fucked up sport. Slice is a, is bad. It's one of the best words ever. Slice. Yeah, no, it's I mean, there's a lot of problems with golf, but that's one of the biggest ones for sure. Jesus Christ. Anyways. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like uh, the thing that, I, that made me go crazy today is the ProPublica Report League. For people who don't know, it's basically that like there's meaningful evidence that Clarence Thomas has just been like getting paid and getting treated to things by people with political interests for a long I like, time. Which I is like, like saying there's meaningful evidence, like, like the aliens exist. Like there's meaningful evidence. <laughs> well, it's like, this is like, it's sort of like, it's this, one of those things where like, we all kind of knew this was going on, but there was no like hard concrete, like proof of it. Who's but he now, hanging like, out with? He's hanging out with like Peter Thiel and people like that. Or who's he hanging out with? I think it's just been like decades long of this. I don't think it's like, he's got like a specific homie. It's just been like, he's been just getting banked out. So you're not allowed to go uh, to like a, a nice little, I don't know, you're not allowed to go on a little trip with your friends. I'm confused. At I what think point you're not allowed to get a bunch of a trip paid for you by like lobbyists if you're on the Supreme Court. Like it's a, it, there's a very specific it, ethics rules. But but if we're saying this has been happening for 30 years, like is that how long he's been on the court for? Yeah, he's been on the court since like the 90s. Oh, Okay. For some reason, uh, you know, I thought that he slipped in there 
the last like 10, 15 years. Loki snuck in, no one noticed. No, he was like, he was he just the, put on the robes. He sat down for the photo. You know, it's like 92 was the Anita Hill stuff. So it was much around then. Like, okay. So he, so he's been getting, yeah. Yeah. He's been getting these, these like what are effectively bribes for a long time. And then the thing that made me go crazy about this is that I've seen reports that are like House Democrats don't want to investigate this because they think it'll ruin sort of support or like public trust in the courts. And it's like, <laughs> yo, that is the like, that is like the most profoundly backward shit I've ever heard of. All right. So I, how much does a fucking Supreme Court justice make? So I'm looking up right now a chief justice of the Supreme Court. He's a chief one, right? Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. he's not. Roberts is the chief one. Well, OK, so. They're they're all clearing around 280, 290, 300. Okay, 280, 290, 300K. Um, you got to have house house in one place. Got to have an apartment in D.C. Uh, you got to... Uh, um, Mistress, secret family. Sure, secret family. Um, no, I mean, it's know, expensive. You got to get the somewhere. Tank top business. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think like, um, yeah, I mean, at a certain point, you know, 300 grand can go pretty fast and yeah. but, oh, we're not factoring in sponsorship deals. Right. Yeah. Know. Nike, <laughs> when he comes in in the robes with the swoosh on the bags is just do it. Dude, <laughs> Nike collab. That's Dude, it would be if tight. You're, if you're going to collab, collab with, with the right people. Give it, us something too. It would be sick actually if big companies that were like lobbying politicians did like like we're like like how like it's yeah. soccer jerseys work where it's like the jersey just has like carlsberg beer across the front yeah i want neil gorsuch to look like a fucking nascar driver yeah exactly yeah exactly For, I, I want yeah i want uh i want all, every single justice to have my only fans link my qr code <laughs> Yeah, you scan you scan the robe to get taken to a special website with discount and offers. <laughs> scan my robe. I think listen, yeah, that's the thing is like if you're gonna if you're gonna do this, if you're gonna sell out, you know, the the core evil tenants and structures of the American uh, you know, justice system, then you gotta you gotta share the wealth a little bit and you gotta let let us get a get a taste of it. And that can be with um exclusive merch drops, you know. That can be yeah, maybe mean, some you could start doing some cameos. Yeah, I mean I think that's I think they need to move to the merch drop model where like every six months new new robes come out with different logos and different like you know, like the Shepherd Fairy ones are like, you know, yeah. get some of like the Oscars designers in there, the Gucci, the Gucci robes, you know? Yeah. Like, I think that's, I think that's what we're missing is like a, as like a polity is like, it's, if we're going to do like the, there's no, if we're going to do corruption, we might as well at least do it like aesthetically. Like there might as well be an aesthetic value to it. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's like having it be purely kind of just like, oh, a rich guy got more money. Like, who cares? But if it's like a rich guy got more money, but also there's like these cool fucking robes, the big swoosh on them and the fucking mm -hmm. love Twitter, the Twitter doge dog yeah. <laughs> on the shoulder patch. Like, oh then now, we're fucking, now we're cooking with gas. Can you, the I, doge dog thing is fucking ridiculous, by the way. I think, and I'm sorry to be dramatic, but I do think that the doge dog has made me suicidal. And be I, I not because I I care enough about Twitter, but because every time I use Twitter now, it's just it's embarrassing. It's just it's. it's I feel it's like I am 
I feel like I am on a crypto website or something like that. Yeah. Well, it's like when I open it on my phone, usually like the little bird pops up while it's loading, you know? Um, but now it's <laughs> for just dog. a second. But now it's the fucking dog. I opened the app and then I just see this fucking dog. It is, it is truly like probably yeah, you know, it's just like it is just an aesthetic compared to like all the other stupider, deeper, like backend changes they've made for a lot of things. But I do think this is the worst thing they've done so far because at a certain level, yeah, you can fuck up the back end. Normal people like us probably will still use the site because we don't understand. But you've like you've corrupted the soul of the thing with with with, with this image. You've made everyone lamer because of it. You've made everyone have a worse life. Just like to to walk this earth at a at a degraded rate is what's occurring here now. And, and so, yeah, I think this is the worst thing they've done. Um, and I think that, you know, I, I see what they, what they did to, you know, certain leaders over, over there. What if we could do that to certain leaders over here? That's all yeah. I'll say. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, the, if, the, if anything is going to mobilize a sort of revolutionary consciousness, it's everyone having to see the fucking doge dog every time they try to see sports news. <laughs> Uh, before we get to commercials last thing just like some good positive news chicago okay. election good wisconsin election good good things have happened in the past couple days mm-hmm. yep uh the doge dog is not the chicago mayor rough 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 <laughs> yeah that's yeah brand the the brandon johnson won the election but he has been replaced by the doge dog you know the doge dog instantly like will like break a worker strike Oh yeah, no. If if people go on strike, the Doge Dog is fucking Pinkertons are on the way. Like that dude is calling armed guards. Well, that's um, the thing is, you know, because he he he's the face of the he's sort of the the cute cartoony face of what's about to be the robot dog apocalypse that's coming over the next ten years, where every state and government and a lot of private companies too will all have these robot dogs they can just unleash on people. Oh, do you think the Doge dog sort of increasing prevalence is sort of to like get everyone a little more comfortable with? I think it's like when I think it's like when they go in the past in Terminator and there's like a cute Skynet logo like on the news or something. <laughs> yeah, it's like an early it's an early thing. But yeah, obviously they're going to want to make these they're going to want to make the dogs commercially as cute as possible or whatever while, while they're killing. Yeah, that is that is true. But at least at least, you know. Uh, a cool guy is the mayor of Chicago now. A oh, cool right. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, a no, cool yeah. lady is on the Wisconsin Supreme Court. That one's fucking huge. Yes. Um, I love I love this news. I really like the Brandon Johnson news because I remember when Eric Adams won in New York, everyone was like, see, liberals, you got to basically be a conservative who says they're a Democrat if you want to win an election in a big city. And then Brandon Johnson rolls up and is like, cops are bad, unions are good, let's fucking go. And then uh, punts Paul Vallis into the ocean. And yeah, which is all far because they're in Chicago. Yeah, no, and I, I don't mean like the Great Lakes. I mean literally. <laughs> I was going to say like, the lakes were right there, but Brandon was hype. Yeah, he was too uh, jazzed. He's all the way to the damn Atlantic. Yeah, yeah. Is that the closer one? That is the closer one. The Pacific. Okay, good he punted him in the Pacific. I mean, if he had, you know, if it had been like a sixty forty, maybe that would have been the Pacific. But I, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, this is. This is um this is a great moment. It was great to see a bunch of like uh fucking groiper ass 15-year-olds like 
break their computer monitors when Paul Vilas lost. There was like two different images I saw. One was a broken computer monitor. And the other one was like a broken shower door that like he fully shattered because he was so mad that Brandon Johnson won. Uh, And I just I love to see that stuff. Um, I love to see I love to see evil people in pain, uh, in psychic pain, of course. You know, I love to see them lose because they lose hard. Yeah. I mean, that like the biggest thing about these elections is that like good people are winning and maybe good policy comes out. But a very close second is that when these people lose, my God, they, they go wild. They like, it's as though they've, I mean, this is one of the benefits, right? Is that like being sort of more on the left, like we're used to losing, like we're fighting a difficult battle against sort of like entrenched forces. So like losses happen and we sort of know how to like lose and regroup and move on to the next thing. But like the entrenched people, when they lose, uh, like can't understand it as a possibility and become utterly insane. Yeah, it's uh, it rules. Uh, it rules. It's awesome. It's great. I really like seeing it. And I also have to just have to say, this is um, this is this is like you know part of the Brandon Imperium now. There, if you are a Brandon, or if you're go, let's say if you're running against a Brandon, and it's the 2020s, you're in the you're fucked. It's over for you. It, it, it's hashtag over um, or as the kids say online it's jover and you know i just i think that this is the this is this is the start of a of a powerful brandon army i think that biden is probably going to win again in 2024 so i'm saying you know if you're if you're brandon out there and you're feeling the the, the sun is rising and so I mean- is the moon it's one of those things where, like, the the recipe for Democrats winning elections is the same thing we've all been saying it is for a while. But finally, some people are doing it, and it's working. And so it's becoming a more accepted thing that's, like, tying civil rights and labor rights and, like, social rights all into one thing and being like, these are all things that matter, actually, and they can all matter together. Um, and then, like, running on that as a platform instead of being like... <laughs> Now, I know we don't want to be woke, but we got to care about civil rights before anything else. It's like, oh, no, all these things. These are all shit that matter. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Um, yeah. People like, were hand wringing so much in Chicago because Chicago was a place during the pandemic where a lot of teachers went on strike and they thought that that was going to ruin the Democrats' chances of ever winning again because the left went insane and they wanted schools to be shut down forever. And of course, there'd be a natural like rebellion to that. And Turns out people are just like a little bit more normal than that. And they don't like hold these like insane, like cultural judges about like people just kind of want to forget about the pandemic. They don't like they have like other stuff to worry about rather than these like weird fucking grudges. Also, just like the one thing that happens is like, like, yes, there's like 40 people who show up to school board meetings and like the teachers need to have no money and be slaves and scream at our children (laughs) every day. And like those people do exist, but like most people aren't like that. Most people are like teachers do a valuable service and they should get paid. Like most people mm-hmm. on both sides of the aisle believe this to be true. Um, and like just like campaigning to normal people who exist as opposed to like fake people who live on the internet, it turns out is like right. a good yeah. plan. 
or yeah, it's like that. It's like actually like yeah, saying like fuck the teachers is like not really something that gets a lot of like people in the real world fucking hype. Yeah, it's crazy. When people are like, fucking teachers suck. They suck shit. We should get rid of schools. Uh, road for Paul Vallis. And it's like, well, that's not, yeah. come on, man. Well, and that's what's what that's what's the onlineification of of like the right wing politics has been disastrous for them because they're trying to do what they did to like gay people for decades. They're trying to do that with the trans thing. And it, they're having this weird thing come up where they're like, oh, well, as an online grifter, these trans videos from me where I'm a fucking psychopath, they get me a lot of views. They get me a lot of traction, a lot of engagement. People really care about this. But then when they take that out and they run on that and they go door to door with that, people think they're fucking freaks because no one cares about it really in their day to day. It's not an animating issue. It doesn't affect most people. Majority of these people don't encounter a single trans person in their actual life. Uh, and so like all of this like fucking insane transphobic shit is getting them views online, but it's losing them elections because people just do not give a shit about it. And it yeah, makes you look like, fucking weird. People are like way more concerned with how like suddenly their house costs three times as much than they are right. with like trans people are allowed at the library. It's yeah. It's like for most people, it's the same as like ghosts. There's like, go, oh, there's gay ghosts everywhere. It's cause like how many trans people is someone in like Nebraska saying like, okay, maybe one, maybe depends. Like the, even the they, percentage even is so small. And even if they're around, it's like they just have bigger shit to worry about. <laughs> yeah, I just it, there's it's really funny to to see just yeah how disastrous this has been for them because I think the old playbook would have led me to believe something different that this is classic of the right wing to find the other and like otherize them and like animate it from like a like a sexual perversion sense and a degenerate sense, but it turns out that you know people just don't care about this a lot. They just no. don't care. Like, sorry that one tick, one successful TikTok account called libs of TikTok. That's actually not enough people. <laughs> yeah. To, to like <laughs> win an election. One weird ultra Orthodox lady actually can't make you president. It turns out <laughs> <laughs> uh, who could have, who could have guessed that that's the world we're living in. Um, right. All right, let's do an ad for a uh, anchor by Spotify or whatever. And then let's, fucking go and then we'll come back and talk about some fucking video games dude i can't wait to check out all your podcasts they're really good and <laughs> yeah you've you've created them all but you haven't done any episodes for any of them but there's landing yeah, but pages number of landing pages in which you can subscribe <laughs> to things like uh dirty boy dirty boy math and catholics gone wild it would be funny to just do like a weekly post where like like new podcast and like and then like there's just like a new podcast with you like doing like this one's about spaghetti <laughs> yeah like one minute be like have you ever thought about the history of spaghetti where it comes from where it's going how yeah. do we get to a long noodle well on this show we'll explain tune in next week for the premiere of what's up with spaghetti yeah yeah you do you do you you have an audio intro but not an episode <laughs> yeah nice. you do the one minute teaser and just keep opening new channels for it yeah we'll do that we'll it's do like that on bit. spotify we'll do that on spotify and we'll do it with video that's interesting about the video part so we could record this with Streamyard, and then we yeah, could upload yeah. we could upload that directly to uh to spotify. to spotify now that i have google fiber at the house it wouldn't even be that hard 
whoa okay uh we say we do a lot of things on the show but that seems like the easiest yeah that seems like a really easy thing to do um and then i could wear silly hats and everyone could see them because i have so many silly hats um let's talk about video games man let's do it uh, what have you been playing? Because I got to be honest, I've been playing a lot of games. There are a lot of the games that I've been playing. So why don't you kick us off? Because you got some newer stuff. Yeah. So uh, I was trying to, I was trying to speed run the Danganronpa games because I'm I'm very interested in the story. But unfortunately, I can't play that much of a text based game like back to back. It's just it's just too much text clicking. So I need to let I try. I got through like a couple hours of number two, but I had to let it sit. So I was looking around, looking for stuff, and then Dredge came out kind of out of, out of the blue, and it got really good reviews. It is this um, indie game, very, very small indie game, where you operate a boat and you fish, um, but it has all these horror elements to it, um, where there are sea monsters and spooky fish and a lot of like Cthulhu vibes of maybe something going wrong with the world so it's spooky and then it also has this sort of resource management slash gathering thing with improving your boat and it turned out to be this really fun experience um what did you think about it i know you played it i played a little bit um i liked it my problem i had a problem so okay i thought the first two islands are banging um i loved it I think the biggest problem I have with it is that it fucks up the nature of the kind of story it's telling because the kind of story it's telling is one of, like <laughs> Berserk's a good comp here, actually. Like a big thing about this game is that it get it's they're constantly telling you, and it's true that if you go out in your boat at nighttime, it's nasty out there. It's wild. You got big problems. However, the further you get in the game, the less necessary it is to go out in your boat at night. Um, and things don't happen that force you to. And the nature of the type of story they're telling is in general, like Berserk, like Berserk is the kind of story. Right? Berserk is the thing where at night monsters come to get guts unless he's somewhere safe. And the whole thing that Berserk is constantly doing is he gets somewhere safe. A thing happens that makes him not be able to be there and monsters come and get him at night and he has to fight them. Like, and they don't do enough stuff in this game to force you to be out at night. Like, that is the big problem is that like if there were more and more reasons to make you be out at night against your better judgment or like, or if there's just more of a risk calculus to not going out at night, like on a more regular basis, it would be a game that really works because then you would have to be putting yourself in danger and engaging with the, to the horror that they're kind of doing a good job of cultivating. But instead, you can just sort of be like, well, nighttime, go to bed. <laughs> like, I'll wake mm -hmm. up in the morning when it's chill and I'll go fishing. Yeah. Like, there are some things like there's, I think it was, I think it's on the first it, island. It's, kind of, it's more like a stamina bar than, than anything else in a, in yeah. a way when you try to, when you try to rest to, to, to lose your night weariness or whatever, which makes the monsters come out. Yeah. I think it's like on the first island, I think there's like a maze where you, like, you have to go to a maze that's like only there at night. Or there's a treasure in the middle of it that's only there at night. And you have to be out at night in this maze, navigating it like as quick as you can to get to the treasure. And like, that's perfect. Like, that's what I want the whole game to be like is like there's stuff that either only happens at night or you're punished for not going out at night. So you get out into the middle of all this spooky bullshit. But the game basically, mechanically speaking, incentivizes you to just not do that as you get further in the game. So they do in one way, which is that there are certain fish that you have to catch that are only out at night. So you do have to make like those kind of like risky night journeys to catch certain things. But I do agree with what you're saying in, in this ge more general sense that the feature, like a few things in the game, I'll admit, 
are really great and clever ideas, but the execution feels a little undercooked because essentially a big reason why they don't push you out to do more night stuff is because they haven't designed enough bad things to happen to you at night because it's a very small game. Like the, the night stuff ultimately is like sometimes essentially there's this like insane meter. And like, if you stay out at night longer, the insane meter grows larger and you start to hallucinate or, or, or see more dangerous things in the water or whatever. But essentially what that usually adds up to is some spooky eyeballs in the mist. And then, uh, a few sea monsters will just start kind of roaming at you and charge, charge at you. And then if you do that long enough, there's like one sea monster that's like pretty much unavoidable who will just completely wreck your ship. But after the first time or two, it starts to feel a little bit more just like repetitive and, and not that much of a threat, especially as you upgrade your boat to be able to evade them. So yeah, I just feel like it's one of those things where, oh, that's a great idea. But they didn't put enough in the game for it to feel meaningful. Yeah, it's and that's the thing, right, is that you need there needs to be this sense of like constant danger that the night needs to feel scary, but also unavoidable. And it's pretty avoidable, especially because later in the game, like you get way more of your resources from salvage than you do from fishing. Fishing just gets you money and you don't even need money that much with all the salvage that you can do. So it's like it it just like. And this is like not unique to this game this is like a problem a lot of horror games like this have is that like the sort of the mechanics encourage you to play it in a certain way that is counter to the type of story they want to tell and the type of vibe they want to make um and so like when you get good at playing the game the game becomes less effective at being scary this is like one of the yes. great yes this is like one of the great achievements of like a dark souls or an elden ring is that the better you get the game stays creepy because the better you get, the more able to get to creepier things you become. Yes, um, I completely and, agree. And this game does not pull that off really. And that sucks because the, when it's working, this game fucking bangs. I agree. There's so much great sort of setup and mood in, in the artistry of the game. It's like sort of this creepy miniature look. And then when you zoom in on the towns, there's these character portraits of the townspeople that are like very like disco Elysium esque. Um, and there's this obvious sort of looming ominous vibe that there's some sort of Cthulhu energy happening around in the ocean that something is wrong. Um, and you start to see like creepy red lights and stuff like that. Um, but then when you go to what to like, you know, the four main zones, there's like four different little Island areas that each I hold a core challenge in them. Like, they're like kind of fun. They attempt to challenge you slightly in, in different ways, but they're not that scary. And, and, and I think that the miniatureness is cute, but then like it weirdly like makes the ocean less scary because the ocean isn't as expansive. It's all like, oh, every island is just 10 seconds away from the next because it's a miniature little world. And you lose some of the fear of the ocean that way. You lose sort of a sense of like the open seas. And then by the end of the game, you've tricked your boat out uh, enough to where, you know, I, I liked upgrading the boat. I liked that feeling good. But then I'm going even faster and the world is even less scary, right. um, oh. like you said. And so, yeah, so it's, it's this tough thing where 
so much great setup, but not a lot of great delivery in terms of the horror. Yeah. And I think you also hit the nail on that something that, that in there, which is that like the root of nautical horror is rooted in bigness. Like the ocean is huge and very deep. And so there, things could be infinitely big down there. Like that's the whole Cthulhu thing is that like the ocean is so big and scary that there could be a Cthulhu down there. Um, and like the the game by virtue of feeling a little bit smaller it's, it feels like a lake. Yeah, kind of neuters that terror. And like, yeah, like Brandon lose- Johnson would not have kicked anyone into dredge. He exactly, would have- exactly. He would have skipped dredge and gone straight, gone skip- straight to fucking Call of Cthulhu Raft. or whatever. Yeah, Raft. yeah, exactly. And so that's I think one of the missing pieces here is that the, it. And look, look again, like I can't fault the game for this because like an indie game that they made of the resources they had and they did a really good job yeah. of what they're trying to do. But like it just doesn't work as well as it could because it needs to feel huge. Like start like Sunless or Sunless Sea or like Sunless Sea is a good example of this, right? Sunless Sea yes. feels enormous or Barrow Trauma feels fucking super huge. And that makes all the horror elements play a lot better because like you just don't know how big. Like one thing with Barrow Trauma that I love is that like Every time I think we've run into the biggest monster that could possibly live in the ocean, a bigger monster shows up and destroys our submarine. Like, right. And so that's like, that's the thing you kind of want is to think that there's always something scarier out there. And by the end of dredge or like, I haven't even finished it, but by, by where I am at in dredge, like you don't have that because like my boat's super fucking tricked out and I'm super fast. And so like, it's like, what are you, what are you going to do? Ocean? Like, fuck you. I got, I'm gadded out. I'm good to go. I'm kidding. Yeah. I, so there's so many great ideas in there, but I think maybe it's part of just like the, the smallness of their game. That is a, a core issue with delivering on this kind of concept, but yeah, th- there's just, isn't a, you, you love the art when you play it. You love starting out with a shitty boat and improving it. You love gathering resources. All of the menus feel great. Like everything looks and is like so great. The sounds, the fish are fun to catch. So many things are working right. But then once you leave the game, you feel like a little, a little half full. And yeah. And like that's why ultimately for me, I'm probably giving this one probably like a like a seven out of 10. I think it's like fun to play. You know, it's, it wasn't that expensive. So I, you know, I got a lot, I had, I got a enjoyment out of it. it. Took me about eight hours to beat. Um, I still think people will have fun playing it, but yeah, I think there was some missed opportunities. Yeah. And as for me, gaming wise, been playing the trails for Azure trails to Azure port translation. And it is, it's everything I wanted and more. It plays so smooth. The story is so good. Um, it It's really fun. It really expands the world of Trails to, from Zero. Trails from Zero I really liked, but it was really like the story of these four characters in the city. And like occasionally... And wait, what's the title of this one? Trails to Azerbaijan? Trails to Azure. A-Z-U-R-E, baby. A-Z-U-R-E. Um, like, and, you know, I understand like you're not you're not getting like, I mean, obviously this is the fifth game in a series or whatever, but each like chunk of the series is like a different kind of story. Like trails in the sky is different from trail. Like the sky series, is different than the crossbell series, different than the cold steel series. Like they're all different kinds of stories um, in certain ways, but like trails to Azure, I think really nails it. My favorite of the series because like it really builds crossbell into a city that like feels alive and full of people you give a shit about even beyond your main characters. And the, 
the fact that your party kind of changes over time. You get more guys in there and you get a little bit more of a taste for the individual characters. It so really tradition, it's traditional RPG, though. Classic RPG, baby. I mean, they have a, okay. you know, it's like any other JRPG. They have a couple of weird mechanics. Right. That are but, but it's pretty classic. Pretty much classic. Yeah. And then um, is this a new one or is this one that came out a long time ago? So what happened was they made first of the Trails of Guy series. Those got ported to PC. Then the Crossbell series, Zero and Azure came out and did not get ported or translated. Then Cold Steel came out and those all got translated and ported for, for the US. Um, and then the Trails of Cold Steel ones were so popular that they went back and retranslated the Crossbell games and made them available. So this just became available at the beginning of March. Mm. Um, and it, like I said, it rocks. It's it's super fucking good. I like I'm loath to tell anyone to play a nine game JRPG series, but it's like a huge fucking commitment. Right. Do, I mean, do you have to play them in order or can you just I, go? You I don't know. think so, especially not this these ones. Like you could play Zero and Azure kind of separate from everything else, and they basically work. Um, there are some characters that you meet who it's better if you've played the other games because like you know them and it's like ooh, exciting. But you, it's different. It's it. It is a different uh, flavor of game, such that you could kind of just get into it from the jump and not really uh, be kind of behind the eight ball, like story wise. Right. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I I really like it. The other thing I've been playing a little bit of is a Phantom Brigade, but it doesn't run that well on the Steam Deck, so I haven't played a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just a tactics thing. I'm mostly looking for. There's like a lot of tactics games that are coming out soon, so I'm sort of in a holding pattern. Right. Um, you don't, you don't want to over tactics. I mean, well, at least I, I can't. I can. I can super over tactics, but I also just like I'm trying not to spend money on a bunch of games because I know there's a bunch of games on which I'm going to spend money coming out fairly soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's my gaming. You've been gaming. We've been gaming. Have Last thing before we end the episode. Uh, did you see Overwatch 2's new hero? No, I haven't. Tell me about it. Uh, okay, so they are a new hero, and they are openly pansexual. Uh, they are a is a, a, a hot Thai man, and they are already hinting that he this this man is going to be fucking every character in Overwatch. Hell yeah! <laughs> uh, let me let me send you a, a picture of him here. Um, they really. They really keep on getting gayer uh, with it. They keep on cranking the, the gay on it, and I, I oh just oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this uh, guy's just like fully, like instantly a fuck machine. <laughs> and like normally, it's the fans' jobs to make like all the all the sex fan art or whatever. But like Overwatch is like, oh, we'll cut out the middleman on this one, and they've already started to release like clips and voice lines of him like hitting on and like basically rizzing other characters in the game um so a funny thing in overwatch is like sometimes you if you do a voice line there'll be like voice responses based on other characters proximity or whatever that might say certain things and uh yeah so this character is is just going to be swanging and banging throughout the whole cast. And I, I love it. I love how gay Overwatch is. I love that Overwatch is like simultaneously a really competitive space for gameplay, but probably like the only space where I like encounter a lot of like women and openly gay people. Yeah. Um, I think that's very cool. I'm excited to see what Life Weaver does. I'm excited for you to, to play the game and tell me all about it. Um. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm a, excited. The game, the game's just. I'm just. I just love. I love people, the game. People are loving Overwatch right now, and that's like a, that's an exciting thing for uh, for you and me and, and love and game lovers everywhere. Really, game lovers everywhere. Get off your high horse. <laughs> um, and with, on that note, uh, let's call it because uh, I'm starting to run out of batteries. Okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, great app, great fun. We'll see you guys next week. Um, and I'll see you uh, tomorrow, Lux. Yeah, I'll DM you. My, I'll DM you in a little bit to tell you some plans. We can come come up with something fun to do. Okay. All right. Goodbye, listeners. Goodbye, listeners. Goodbye, listeners.